0: Turn with me please to John chapter 11, and then in verse 35 we have the shortest verse in the Bible. You can all memorize it, you've got no excuse, Jesus cried. I remember children in the church in Bangor learning a verse. They would often use this one because it was so short. Jesus cried. You're familiar with it, I'm sure, and we need to remember it. There are lots of glorious verses surrounding it, and we'll touch on them shortly. But the statement is remarkable. Martha and Mary were crying. The professional mourners were crying. Friends were crying. But the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, being with the Father from eternity, equal with the Father, involved in creation with the Father and the Spirit, Worshipped by the angels, foretold by the prophets as the Spirit of Christ revealed something of what the Son of God would do later as Redeemer. Then he left heaven, took upon himself our nature, remaining God but became truly man. So he's the God-man in the Gospels. And here he is, crying. At his baptism, the father said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He did many, many miracles. At the transfiguration, the father again spoke of his love. This is my beloved son. And here we find the Lord Jesus Christ crying. I doubt if there's anyone in the service this morning who has never cried. I hope there's no one. Sadness, disappointment brings tears, doesn't it? And we can cry often, sometimes for joy. Driving here this morning, I remember a funeral of a five-year-old girl here in my stake. She'd been playing in the playing fields in Trivadath Road. And she dashed out from the field to the road and she was killed. Instantly. She was a lovely little girl. Just probably two or three months earlier, the Sunday school teacher came to me and said, This girl has just asked me a question I can't answer. When I get to heaven, when I see the Father in one corner the Son in another and the Holy Spirit in another area and I didn't know what to say and I talked with her for quite a while and she seemed to trust the Lord and taking the service in the house before the church I I, I cried it was difficult to carry on didn't understand God's purpose you felt identified with the family and yet the Lord Jesus Christ so much more he cried you ask the question why I wonder what answer you would give this morning Why did the Lord Jesus Christ die? Well, the obvious answer, first of all, is he cried because he loves and cares for people, whatever their situation. And he identifies himself with them in their need, in their sorrow, their joy. Now, the Lord Jesus, from this narrative, was a regular visitor to this home in Bethany, a couple of miles from Jerusalem. He loved the two sisters and Lazarus, the brother. It was a kind of retreat, I think, for him, where he could relax and have fellowship and hospitality. So there was a long history of friendship and care. And the Lord Jesus received the message that Lazarus was ill. And instead of responding immediately, there's a delay. The disciples didn't quite understand it. And isn't that a feature of God's dealings with us, that things happen and you expect God to help you Immediately. There's a a Greek word used in the New Testament for immediately. It's used sparingly in the Gospels. Youthless. I tell my wife and children sometimes is this youthless or is it to be timed? We want God to do something quickly we're desperate sometimes the delay is hard what's God doing why why not what is he doing so there was a delay and the frustration for the sisters must have been considerable as well as for the disciples and so when he eventually Comes into the area, Martha goes out to meet him. And you know the conversation and how he begins to say, Well, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. His sister later will repeat the same statement. They were confident that in that situation, the Lord would have made an enormous difference. And yet she commits the matter to, to him, knowing that whatever he would ask of God, the God will give it. Then our Lord makes this statement, your brother will, will rise again, and, and she is quite orthodox. She says, yes, he will rise at the resurrection of the dead when the Lord Jesus returns in glory and the bodies of, of believers, the dead, will be raised the general resurrection of unbelievers. And for believers, that there'll be glory, body and soul, on a new earth, new heaven. I know that, she says. And then our Lord makes those famous statements, I'm the resurrection and the life. You're looking at the resurrection. You're looking at someone who possesses life, He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe me? And she gives that famous answer, yes, Lord. I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And so she sent a secret message to her sister at home. Probably a messenger took it and ran quickly, reporting that Jesus had come and was calling for her. And when she meets up with the Lord Jesus outside, she says, responds in much the same way. It's then that our Lord Jesus in verse 33 sees Mary weeping. He notices the Jews weeping also. And in words which we we can never fathom, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, agitated. There's a huge disturbance going on within him. Emotionally. And he asks the question, where have you laid him? And they invite him, Lord, come and see. It's at that point that Jesus cried. And People, of course, noticing, noticing the tears running down his face. Our Lord must have been visibly shaken. Wasn't hiding it. No paper handkerchief to wipe the tears away. Wasn't ashamed to be crying. He was perfectly human, like us. Deeply moved by the occasion and by the loss of, of Lazarus and the sorrow of the sisters. So the Jews comment, see how he loved him. Whatever is happening in our lives or whatever has happened, our Lord loves us. I was telling a Christian yesterday, talking informally, having certain issues, the Lord is is in love with you. He loves you loads. He's loved us with an everlasting love. He's gone to to the greatest extent of dying for us, taking our punishment. He couldn't do any more for us, and he by the Spirit will be bringing us in conformity to himself and will take us to glory. In all the ups and downs, the problems, the disappointments, the sorrow, he cares, he loves. Why shingles for ten weeks? We often talk about it almost daily. The pain is excruciating. You will help us to do anything. And yet we're in the hands of the Lord's providence. He's sovereign. He's working out his purpose for good. Even though it seems hard to us and difficult, contrary to what we think, The Lord cares in the middle of darkness and sadness and problems and disappointment. And so the Lord cries because he loves. But there are many other reasons, aren't there? Another reason, obviously, is because he's in the presence of death. Probably there were something like six to eight hundred people around at this time. Lots of the mourners would be professional, but lots of friends and neighbors would come. It was a crowd. And they were all, in varying degrees, affected by the death of Lazarus. And as Jesus walks towards the sepulchre where Lazarus lay, he's in the face of death. Now, the interesting thing is that no one in that crowd knew as much about death as did the Lord Jesus Christ. No one. The Lord Jesus Christ knew the history of death. He knew the significance of death. He knew the horrors of death. And he knew that he'd come to deal with this question of death, but he still cries. You knew the history of death because as God the Son with the Father, he was involved in creation. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. And that phrase, in the beginning, John chapter 1, 1 links it up. In the beginning was the word. Later, John says, without him was not anything made that was made. With the Father, the Son creates. The Holy Spirit is involved, bringing order. Spirit brooding. And so the universe is brought into being and furnished. and Man is created. Then the woman. A place in the Garden of Eden which in biblical theology is described as a as a temple a paradise it's where god's presence was and so adam and eve without sin perfect fellowshipping with god normally no sacrifice needed no sin no distance between them and god they could enjoy god they could know god then sin sin invades the universe it's an intruder never intended by God and sin is punished and Adam and Eve are driven from the garden and from the presence of God then there's need of sacrifice And then the tabernacle where god's presence was manifest in the holy of holies and then the temple and later the word the lord jesus himself becomes the temple god present and the bodies of believers become the temple of the holy spirit the church is the habitation of god the spirit but the lord jesus knew the disaster when Adam and Eve sinned, which was the greatest tragedy ever in our history. The barrier between the Holy Garden and, and people in their sin. Pain, suffering, death were the consequences. And the Lord Jesus Christ knew all this. He knew the history of death and what had happened and the devastation it had caused in, over the centuries. And death casts its, its horrible shadow over all our lives. And the Lord Jesus Christ himself knew he was going to die so the the harsh reality of death it's history it's background our lord is moved but obviously there's another reason too because our lord jesus christ cries here because in a few days time he would die in his human nature he was on the way to the cross. He wouldn't die because of disease or accident. It's interesting that the word used in verse 33, that our Lord groaned in the Spirit and was troubled, agitated, a deep disturbance turbulence within him our lord uses the word again in john 12 now is my soul troubled what shall i say he's thinking of the cross as he thinks of the cross and the horrors of it what it's going to mean the darkness the punishment of sin upon him who was sinless the Father smiting him, being forsaken by the Father. Remember in the opening part of John 14, the disciples were troubled because our Lord said he was leaving them. Now, our Lord says to them, let not your heart be troubled. It's the same word. Don't get agitated. But they had no idea how agitated and troubled the Lord Jesus was. He was concerned for the disciples. You believe in God, believe also in me. I'm telling you about heaven. I'm I'm the way. I'm one with the Father. I'm going to send the comforter, the Holy Spirit. I'm going to die for you. But at a cost. And so what was planned by the Father, the Son, the Spirit in eternity, the Lamb of God foreordained before the foundation of the world, the purpose why he came into the world and took upon himself our nature. He could not die as God. So he was obedient, the Bible says, even to death and the death of the cross. sometimes we we play down the the physical sufferings of the Lord Jesus they were very real extensive and there were the emotional sufferings which this word touches on shoveled agitated turbulence his inner self stirred almost a storm going going on. Yet not sinning, not, not guilty of unbelief, emotionally involved. And then on the cross, of course, bearing our sin, taking our place, being punished for what I deserve to be punished for. He cries out my God why have you forsaken me the darkest moment something which had never happened in that relationship between father and son throughout eternity as if a, a curtain is being drawn between them and all the comforts the father would normally give to the son are withdrawn and he feels desolate And then he cries out, it is finished. He commits himself to the Father and he dies. And that's ahead of him here in Bethany. And he weeps. But He does so in love, doesn't he? Because he loved the church. God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son, And the Lord Jesus Christ wasn't an unwilling saviour. I laid down my life of myself. No one takes it from me. Willingly, lovingly, graciously, he goes to the cross to bear our sin and our punishment. No wonder that as he died, the earthquake, the veil in the temple was broken from top to bottom. Graves were opened. The third day he is raised from the dead again. Later he ascended back to heaven. This is the Lord Jesus who is the saviour of believers. He's our Lord, our saviour. The one who cares for people. The one who on the cross conquer death not only paying the price of our sin but overcoming death and giving the gift of eternal life and so the believer can face death with confidence we need not fear it the lord has sanctified the grave and he's given to his people the hope of eternal life it'll be three years in November when my brother died I don't think I've been here because of COVID since but I used to go and visit him as often as I could and uh, several times in the home where he was in bed very weak and and uh, i always had to sit as close as possible to him and it was very uncomfortable and i was cornered um, and i said why do you want me so close i want to see you well there's nothing to see i said but but uh, i i had to sit as close as possible And one day he turned to me and said, You wrote a book on heaven. I read it, he said. It's good. Then he said to me something unexpected. He said, I could write the last chapter for you if they ever reprint it. Oh? you're very welcome to do so, but I don't think they will reprint it. What would you write? These were his words. I will tell the readers how wonderful the Lord Jesus Christ is. That here in this bed, the Lord Jesus Christ is very real. He's glorious. In this bed, it's just like heaven. And the Lord Jesus Christ assures me in the gospel that heaven is going to be more wonderful. And I can't imagine, he said. Because it's so glorious, it's so lovely, so wonderful. The Lord Jesus is here with me. Yeah, there were tears. The Lord Jesus Christ loves us and he is with us all the time until the end and he takes us to himself that's the hope of the gospel I was interested in reading and I must not tell any more stories after this I was reading recently of Billy Graham He was ninety-two years of age, had Parkinson's badly. And the local pastors had been on to him to have a meal with them. And he'd refused. But on this occasion he was persuaded to go. And so he decided, well, the grandchildren decided for him. And said, Grandad, you're getting very slovenly in your illness. You must dress smart when you go to meet the pastors so he decided to to buy a new suit so when he went to the um, the lunch the pastor still expected him to say something so he told them the story of dr. Einstein who was a professor in Harvard And Einstein was on a train he said and uh, going to an important lecture somewhere and the ticket collector came on the train and asked to see the ticket and he couldn't find it and the collector recognized who he was and said don't worry we we know who you are but he kept looking and further down the carriage the, the the collector saw him on his knees looking thinking the ticket had dropped on the floor. So the collector went back to him and said, no need to worry. We know you had a ticket. We trust you. You are Dr. Einstein. And Einstein's answer was this. I know who I am. But I don't know where I'm going until I find the ticket. And Bill Graham told them, unlike Dr. Einstein, I know where I'm going. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the suit that I'm wearing now, he said, I'll be buried in this suit. And I'm looking forward to the resurrection of the body when I'll have an even better suit what a hope for the christian and the lord asks the sisters do you believe this it's personal do you believe it yes they answered yes lord do you believe this morning do you trust in the lord jesus christ is he your personal savior Do you recognize what he's done for you? He is the only one who can prepare us for eternity. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we bow in your presence acknowledge, Lord, the weight of these truths we've been considering. Thank you again for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ and for the way in which he humbled himself, became obedient, even to the torturous death on the cross. And thank you, Lord, for what he achieved for us, finally, triumphantly on the cross, and for his glorious resurrection, and the fact he's now in heaven, living, reigning, and one day will return as king. And thank you, Lord, that as we believe on him, we will see him and be with him when we we die. Lord, thank you for the gift of eternal life. Lord, speak to anyone who is not yet believing in you. Work by your Holy Spirit and warm our own hearts by the Spirit. Encourage us, strengthen our faith. Give us confidence in you for the sake of the Lord Jesus. Amen.